If you have your Bible, I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 54. Man, we are having a, a great, great time as God has been speaking to us. Go to Isaiah chapter 54. We're going to use this as our main text. You know, uh, uh, we had such a great time. This is a, a wonderful time to be a part of Calvary yesterday. You know, we brought in Sat Comedy Lab, and they were telling a lot of jokes. They were incredible improvers. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, Elaine was, uh, I didn't know that you could kick comedians and not be arrested, but that's what Elaine was doing. She didn't quite understand the assignment that you're supposed to use your hands. And she was kicking him in the legs, and he was bruised when he left. But anyways, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of fun yesterday. I think the most memorable joke that, that I, I will never, ever forget, uh, when they were talking about Larry and Diane Huffman, who just now uh, really kind of taken on the, the main role of our seniors ministry, they said, oh, we don't like being called seniors. And, and we're like, okay, but... It is a senior's ministry. All right, but, she, but we're going to name it the Forerunner's Ministry. Forerunner's Senior's Ministry, right? And so that's kind of the, 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 the name of our, our senior's ministry. But the comedians were so funny. They just read it, and they said, they said the senior's ministry is it's called Forerunner's Senior's Ministry because in the senior's ministry, there's only four seniors who can still run. I thought that was great. I thought that was great. You know, uh, you know, we as a church, we're actually called to run after God's call upon our church. We're, we're actually, as a people, realizing that God has a plan for us corporately, but he also has a, a plan for us personally. Now, the message that I'm about to share with you today um, has those two applications. There is a very real personal application to what I'm going to share to you, but also a very practical corporate uh, uh, message that I'm going to share with you today out of Isaiah 54. Now, Isaiah 54 is wonderful. It's glorious. It's out of a revelation of the cross that God spoke this to us. And he said, he, he said to us, and, and, and really... Uh, spoke this to my heart, and we've been waiting to, to kind of release this. Isaiah 54, verses 1 through 5. Here's something that you need to know about me. I don't just preach good principles. This is not how I am wired. I feel like, as a pastor, that my sermons need to be time-stamped. They need a prophetic nature to them. Matter of fact, many of you have come to me after a Sunday morning and you have said, Pastor, do you have my house bugged? Okay, how did you know that you spoke exactly what we were talking about the night before? Or what we were arguing about on the way to church? No, it's not that. It's that the Holy Spirit takes these corporate messages and gives us a right now application that thrusts us deeper into his heart for us. And so I want to I give you this in answer to this question. What is God saying to us right now? Many of us need a right now word and I'm about to give one to you. And we're actually in a series that is connected 
to this truth. This is how it begins. Isaiah 54 verses 1 through 5 says, Sing, O barren. Wow, that's, you need to go back and listen to last week's message. What a strange instruction to give to a barren person. Actually, a barren city in context. He says, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You have not labored with child. For more are the children of the, of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Last week you heard that message about uh, we're expanding our legacy, and our legacy is this, many children. I know most women were like, oh, no, 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 not me. Not, I'm done. And actually, a lot of the young marrieds right now are pregnant. A lot. A lot. Like, we're wondering, are we going to have to expand the nursery because all these babies are coming due soon? A lot of them are coming in the same month, October. Incredible. Now, that's not planned. You don't, you don't plan a, a sermon series around the ovulation cycles. <laughs> no. God is saying, hey, there is something going on in the spirit, and I'm going to give you signs in the natural. I'm going to give you signs in the natural about what I'm doing. It'll be a confirmation to you. And even today, some of you will have a confirmation in your heart about what God is saying. So you should go back and listen to that message from last week. Verse 2 says this, enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called God of the whole earth. Glory to God. Aren't you glad, church, that God is your husband? He's your husband. Oh, you might have to change the way you think. You might have to, uh, man, I've got to do some adjusting. Here's what I mean. God married you and wanted to. I mean, after all, who's going to force God to do anything? His marriage to you is not a shotgun wedding. Mm -mm. No, he married you because he wanted you. And I know you may shrug your shoulders at times and think, why in the world did he want to marry me? I don't know. I, that's the way I feel too. I don't know why he wanted a relationship with me, but I have one because he wanted to marry me. And listen to me, despite our best ever efforts, God never talks divorce. He never talks divorce. 
So he's not divorcing you. Man, some of y'all need to get happier than this. I know some of you are like, oh man, I need to do a few more things. God might move out. No! No, he's not divorcing you. Your maker is your husband. He made a covenant with you and he loves you and he wants you and he wants us to take us to take that thought and let it lead us into greater places. Now, God is calling, if you want to summarize this series into the one statement, it is this. Calvary, God is calling you to expand. Church, he's calling you to expand. He's calling you to expand. I'm glad I got one believer in here. He is calling us as a church to expand. But make no mistake, church, listen to me. If he's calling us to expand corporately, he's calling us personally to expand in our effectiveness, in, a, in our influence for the kingdom of God. That's why we've been talking about, about witnessing. That's why we've been training you up about how to reach people. That's why we had the day one Easter service. It is because God is raising us individually up and corporately up to expand the influence of the kingdom of God in this region. That's what he's doing. Now, the first week was about legacy. That's about people. The word was many children. Many children. Leading many spiritual children into the kingdom of God. Now this week, we're going to talk about what comes on the heels of God breaking a spirit of barrenness off of your life. He breaks the spirit of barrenness because that's what he said. He said, sing, O barren one. Sing, because you've got a whole lot of children coming. You're going to be very fruitful for the kingdom of God. Sing, and the next thing God begins to address is expanding our environment. It's out of Isaiah 54, 2. Let me read it to you again. He says, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. You see, when God breaks barrenness off of your life, you need to grow your environment. You got to make room for what God wants to do in your life. You got to make room. Some of you have been stuck in a cycle, a holding pattern. Anybody ever been in a holding pattern before? You get on a plane, and they won't let you lift off. And for some reason, those demons shut off the AC at the same time. And you sit on the tarmac, and I'm in a holding pattern. And they don't really tell you why. You're just sitting there praying, dear God, let this pilot crank this plane up. Take me back. I'll sit inside. I'll pay $6 for a Starbucks coffee that is terrible. You're just sitting there sweating in a holding pattern. I think many people in the body of Christ are just that way sometimes. They're just sitting in a holding pattern. They're just wondering, why am I just doing this? Why? Here's why. God's calling you to expand, but you're not willing to lift off and go into new places. God today is saying, I want you to expand your environment, and it actually involves 
us expanding in a couple of different ways. He wants us to grow our environment. First way you do that, listen. If you're going to expand your environment, you've got to expand your authority. You've got to expand your authority. And this is what God is speaking to us as a church, but this is also what, what the Lord is speaking to you individually. We all have authority in the kingdom as a believer, as his ambassador, as heaven's representative, as a redeemed son or daughter of God. There is an authority that comes along with being a believer in Jesus Christ. He says this, enlarge the place of your tent. He did not say in this part of the verse, enlarge your tent. He said enlarge the place of your tent. Speaking to the footprint of the tent. You should write this down. In the kingdom, kingdom authority is always associated with kingdom responsibility. And I know as soon as I utter that word, you're like, man, I don't need anything else to be responsible for. I don't need to take care of anything else. I got enough stuff going on in my life. I'm just trying to keep it all. I feel like I'm juggling all the time. Here's what I want to say to you. If God calls you to increase, so will the grace of God on your life to do it. I want to tell you, many times we, we come here as a family and we're going, okay, God, grow us as a church. We want, to, we want to see more people come into the kingdom of God. We want to see that. But the Lord, how many of you know that with a greater authority, a greater footprint, that actually says, okay, more of us are going to have to step in to our responsibility." More of us are going to have to step in to our God-given assignments. There was a, a group of people in Luke chapter 10 called the 70. Now, the 70 are not people who are given names in the New Testament. They are just they are disciples of Jesus that he wanted to use and that he gave authority to to go out and minister where he himself was about to go. Now, I want to read to you the passage when the 70 came back. It's from Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. It says this, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even demons are subject to us in your name. And he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Notice those words. Behold, I give you the authority to trample. To trample. He says, I give you the authority. The context of this is that the 70 were sent using their faith into new territories. They were sent to places where Jesus had not yet been. We find that out because he said everywhere he was about to go, he sent them. So when you see the 70, just, and there's no names there, just insert your name. So now you begin to understand that as a believer and a follower of Christ, there's some authority that's given to you that you are to go to area 
areas that Jesus is about to show up in. I wonder if you wouldn't think a little bit different about Monday morning showing up on your job. If you went in there carrying the authority of the kingdom and realized that when I show up, Jesus is about to show up. Oh, you expand your territory. You begin to think differently about where I'm going, what's about to happen on my job. You start looking for divine opportunities. You're saying, God, I'll take a bigger footprint. God, if you're breaking barrenness off my life, I'm going to look for fruit everywhere. So what did the 70 do? They, they, they stepped out in faith. And when God says to you in the kingdom, expand, you can't just cross your arms and say, well, we'll see. No, what do we do? We say, God, enable me by the power of the Holy Spirit to step out in faith. I can remember pre-COVID, we had two services here. We were talking as a staff. Both services, we had an 8.30 and 10.30 service. Both were jammed. Of course, you guys know the story. You know, COVID hit. Nobody's coming to church. In the middle of, in the middle, when no one was attending church, God told me to go to three services. I told God, I said, God, could you come here for a second? Could you just look around? The only people who are here are being paid to be here. He said, yeah, go ahead and go to three services. And the reason we have three services today is because of an act of obedience. Now, the wiz- we look so smart. We look like we were slowing the spread before anybody ever said, slow the spread. Because we came back and people were able to spread out. And then, like, like the widow woman in Elijah's time, we just made another vessel for God to fill. And what we have seen God do is exactly that. God has been filling the vessel with people. But and during that time, we begin to say, all right, God, we got we to gotta do something here. We got to begin to build. Well, we started meeting with engineers and project managers and all kinds of stuff. Well, this place is zone low density residential, which means you jump through a lot of hoops as a church to to uh, build the kind of building we were interested in. We didn't have uh, for the electricians in here. We didn't have three phase power. There's only single phase power here, and the kind of building and the kind of ministry we were looking to do that could house the numbers that we were seeing it would run way more efficiently on three phase power. It's not here. Had to meet with the power company. Oh yeah, you can run it down here from 486. They said you can run it. It'll just cost you money. And then the engineer said, oh yeah, the county, Citrus County is going to ask you to build the roads. They'll probably ask you to build up Croft. They're going to ask you to to build up Harley. So you're going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars before you ever do anything on this property. And then right then, 20 acres right across from Hernando Elementary became available. Came about, well, it was actually, you know, the guys who were selling it, they, it was less available to us at their price. So I did what every good pastor would do. I sent them a low-ball offer. I mean, so low. 20 acres of commercial property. We had saved some money, right? We were going to put some money down and then just do it a little small amount. I said, I offered them $400,000. 
for this million dollar property. You know what they did? Their counteroffer was their full price. I thought, I thought to myself, these are businessmen. They're supposed to know that when I make an offer, they're supposed to counteroffer. So we just ebbed up a little bit. We offered them a little more money, and then that kind of got their attention. And then they started talking to us. Turns out there were some believers connected there. And, and they all said, since this is for the kingdom of God, you know, we're, we're going to do this. And so we secured 20 acres with all the power we need on four lanes with a light access, quarter mile from here, uh, you know, zoned commercial for 600000 just over $600,000. Incredible. Listen, that's not the incredible part. The incredible part, that, yes, the price was amazing. But we had a plan. We were going to put a third of it down and take out a little small loan and then just pay it off, you know, as the Lord would lead. But we began to just believe God. If I told you all the stories of the miracles, it'd take all day. But uh, by the time we got to the closing date on 222, let the hearer understand, 222 was the closing date. Every penny came in for the property and we then owned it debt free. Glory to God. It was, a it was going to be the largest purchase in the history of our church that we had ever done. And then uh, all of a sudden, God said, I got it. I got it. All of it paid off in full. You know what it took? You know what it took? It's like, okay, God, here it is. We see it. We see it. We're grateful for what we have, but we see that and what that could be. You know what we had to do? We had to step out in faith. Step out in faith, church. There are new places of, of authority that God wants to use you in if you will believe in it and act. Do you believe God wants to use you? Then it's time to act. Do you believe that God wants to expand the area of your influence? I know God wants a pillar church in this community that believes in the fullness of God's spirit, that still sees Jesus save, that still sees Jesus heal, that still sees Jesus deliver in power. I know God is raising up this church in this community, in this hour. Why? Because he loves the people of this region. He loves them. Notice what Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 19. Authority, listen to me, in the kingdom. Authority in the kingdom has got to be used by faith. This is what he said. He said, and and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You have got to uh, begin to use the keys that God has given you to unlock greater freedom in this region. I wonder if God wouldn't raise up a people in authority that said, Oh, on our watch, crime's going to fall. Come on, we're going to close the door on crime and we're going, to, we're going to open the door to the character of Christ being manifest. Come on, we're going to close the door on divorce in this community and we're going to see marriages thrive in Citrus County at an un, in an unusual way. We're going to see drug use come to nothing. We're going to close the door. But you know what God wants us to do? 
That's not just the role of the corporate church. That's the role of every individual. As God is saying, I want you to expand your influence in this region. To unlock greater freedom in this region. The second thing that you need to do when you say, okay, God, we're okay with taking a bigger footprint and a greater responsibility for the kingdom, then you've got to expand your access. You've got to expand your access. Notice what this says. And let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. The length of your curtains reflects the people you are covering. The length of your curtains reflects the people you are covering. I want all of you be, to begin to pray a terrifying question to God. Here it is. You should write it down. How many people, God, are you calling me to reach and disciple? How many people, God, are you calling me to reach and disciple? Pray that prayer. Pray that prayer. Oh, I know what you're thinking. Well, pastor, isn't that your job? Now, wait a minute. Some of you may be new. Let me just take you back a couple of weeks. The primary role of vocational ministers is equipping. Whether it's apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, uh, teacher, all of our role, all of us do the same job with, in a different nuance. We equip the body of Christ, Ephesians chapter 4, for the works of ministry. We equip the body of Christ. I've got to tell you, you've got a ministry. You've got a ministry. And God actually wants to give you people. It's not that he just wants to give the church, the greater church, many more people. No, he says, you have a ministry. And you must welcome that many people, listen, and give them access to your ministry. What? I know you're looking at me like, I thought we were just going to build a bigger church. No, no, no. We are going to be a bigger church that says, God, I'm going to give people access to my ministry. I know some of you are rejecting that title. By the way, I am not saying that we need more vocational ministers. We do not need more people, uh, more full-time ministers. We need, uh, unless you're called, unless you're graced to do it. We have enough people who have started storefront ministries as splinters of churches when people get a little uncomfortable in being taught the truth. We have enough of those splinters that exist for a moment and then die, and the people are worse off three years later. No, we don't need more uh, accountants wishing, wishing they were pastors. And we certainly don't need pastors who are called to be accountants because the people won't be good at God, just math. Listen, and by the way, you should know this. You and I have a ministry that we will, listen, we'll be judged for. By the way, did you know that when believers, did you know that believers are judged by Jesus? They are. 
Why are we judged by Jesus? Here's why. We're not judged simply for, for, for those bad things that we did. That's, that's covered under the blood. No, no, no. The judgment seat of Christ is, did you do what I called you to do? Did I live in the good works and in the ministry that you called me to live in? Oh, listen, church, don't look at me wide-eyed when I say you got born again and you got called into this kingdom and put into ministry and God expects at the end of the age that you will have walked most of that out. Every day of ours is written in books in heaven. If you'll live in intimacy and prayer, I I guarantee you he'll read some of those pages to you. He'll tell you about who you are to him. He'll say, live this way. Reach this person. Just live every day in prayer and say, God, why don't you reach up and grab my book today? Why don't you tell me a little bit about the good works that you have preordained for me to walk in today? And God would say, that's great. I would love for for you to live in that kind of ministry. Now, since you have a ministry, I'm going to speak to you a word from God as an oracle from God, the way Apostle Paul did to his spiritual son, Timothy. I'm going to speak to ministers today. This is a word for you. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Here's your assignment. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. You know what that means, right? That means be ready all the time. That you don't have a Jesus season and an off season. It's an all the time Jesus season. It's an all the time kingdom season. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. There's that favorite word again. With long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires... Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn away from the truth and be turned aside to fables, make-believe. Think about this. God wants some ministers who will minister the truth of God When culture is saying you can live in make-believe and the rest of us are supposed to make-believe, your make-believe is true. Our poor teachers and educators right now, they have to pet their students, some of them, because they're like, I identify as a cat, meow. You have fleas, but you don't, you're not a cat, okay? You're a, listen. <laughs> Fables. And they heap up for themselves people who will preach to them. Oh, you are. Meow, 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 meow. <laughs> no. Preach the word. Be instant in season. Fulfill your ministry. 
victory. We're not going to let a lie prevail. When God's raised up the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ to be the standard within our community, within our country. Listen to me, church. We can't be silent. But you're going to have to give some people access. He says, lengthen those curtains. It's all about the people you're being willing to cover. Now, as a church that does have some practical application, because we have to, we have to expand this existing sanctuary, for instance. Every, every week we'll have people show up at, at the second service and they'll walk in and they'll look around and see everyone standing and rejoicing and uh, they say, oh, wow, there's no room for me, even though there is. They just say, no, no, no. So what we're going to do is in, in a few months, all of this will be, these walls will be knocked out and all of this is, is, is going before the county even right now. We'll have all this walked out and we'll, we'll have like 400 seats in this existing sanctuary. And I know we got all kinds of questions about what's going to happen next. I, I just expect that God's going to fill that. And, you know, before long, we'll be in three services again, you know, uh, doing that, you know, and just, just keeping on uh, ministering. So I, I want you to know that there is a plan because the plan isn't for here. It's actually for the next Place. We're going to build a brand new sanctuary over on that 20 acres. And I promise you, here's, here's how it looks. Here's how it looks. When you walk into the sanctuary, the front of the building is you got to walk through the cross. You got to walk through the cross. You come in through the cross. And listen, right in front of you will be our worship. Uh, the place of worship. It'll be uh, our, our sanctuary. About, uh, we'll have almost 900 seats in there, and it'll be state-of-the-art, and we're going to worship. So you walk in the lobby, first thing you're going to see, you come through the cross, and it's the worship of God. You look to the right, and there's a big, uh, a large classroom right there where every day the fire will be kept on the altar of intercession. We're going to continue to pray every day in daily prayer. We're going to lift up those prayers, and you're going to be able to see it through the glass right there on 486. People would be driving by, but oh, about nine o'clock, Monday through Thursday, every day the office is open. People driving by and say, well, look, I'm glad they got me covered at Calvary. I'm glad they're praying for me at Calvary. They're blessing me. They're, they're praying God's best for me. They'll be able to see it from the very beginning. So you walk in, you see worship to the right is prayer and to the left is Calvary kids and the next generation. You begin to see that people can drop off their children right from the lobby. They'll see how important the children are. And by the way, this building, it didn't come from our machination. It didn't come from my imagination. Matter of fact, most of what, of what I'm gifted in has nothing to do with buildings. I had to ask the Lord in this time where, where God was expanding us and we were seeing this. I said, Lord, can you help me to understand what our next building will look like? And so I did something really spiritual. I Googled it, put in the number that I felt in my heart was, was the right number. And I looked at the second plan. And the second plan said, oh, that looks interesting. And I printed it out, thinking nothing of it. I was like, well, that, that would kind of, I think that would kind of work. I said, hmm, all right, God. Folded it, put it in my Bible. Just a couple of weeks later, I was preaching in Virginia Beach, Virginia. 
at a conference there with Pastor Corey. We were there, and uh, we were just walking in. I was just about to go and meet the pastor, and I was carrying my Bible inside. And they were getting some, just some pre-planning done. I was walking in with my Bible in my hand, and as soon as I walked through the door, I heard the Spirit of God speak to me and say, how would you like to test drive a building? A question I had never heard God articulate to me before. I thought, why did God ask me to test drive a building? When I walked through the door and I began to walk up this ramp, I suddenly began to realize, reached down to my Bible, opened my Bible, took out the plan, looked down on the bottom, it said, Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm standing in the building I printed out. I preached from that stage. That may not be your life. That's where I live, okay? That's where I live. And so uh, I don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to live that kind of life. But what I am saying to you is that it was from that footprint that we built out the current plan. Man, I tell you what, we're so excited about what God's going to be doing in Calvary Kids. Some of you guys are going to be wanting to volunteer in preschool uh, because preschool is going to have like a second floor jungle gym. I think parents are going to be frustrated about having to chase their children through the second story of Jesus fun in there. So I don't know. It's going to be an incredible place for God to use for his glory. But listen, it didn't start just out of out of vain imaginations. It began from a word from God. He said, how many people are you willing to cover? And how many people are you willing to minister to? How many people are you willing to feed? Are you willing to feed more? And the answer was yes. Are you willing to see more saved? Are you willing to see more discipled? Are you willing to hear the pitter-patter of little feet running up and down the hallways? You better believe it. If kids get on your nerves, listen, there is the first church of the dead saints somewhere in this county. You can find it. But we serve a living God who loves every generation who said in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters, they will prophesy. Your young men will dream dreams. Uh, No, your young men will have vision. Your old men dream dreams. He says it's multi-generational. So we're always going to have the pitter-patter of young feet and the scooting feet. I mean, the forerunners of the senior ministry. Come on. People need access. We believe God is calling our church to regularly serve thousands of people. Man, people are moving here from everywhere. And somebody's got to disciple these Yankees. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. In first service, uh, I, I said, hey, you're new here. He said, yeah, I'm kind of like one of those Yankees. <laughs> no, seriously. They don't, they don't need just fried chicken and collard greens. Uh-uh. They need the fullness of Jesus and the kingdom of God and the purposes of God. They may have lived their whole life outside of the reality of living with a risen Jesus and the fullness of his spirit and knowing what's available. But, oh, God, in their last days, send them to that, that place. Oh, we're just going to go there because there's just not many people. They don't even know why they're coming. If you're new here and you're just moved here, you don't even know why you moved here. 
It's because God wants to pour out his spirit in your life. And God has given you a place that says, you know what? We're going to stretch out our curtains and we got you covered. We're covering you in prayer. We're covering you in faith. We're going to cover you in the word. We're going to cover you in love. We'll cover you up in a life group. Man, we'll cover you up in community. We got you covered because God said, lengthen your curtains. Now listen, that requires all of us to lengthen our curtains. Let me give you this one last thing. If we're really going to expand our environment. We have to expand our agreement. We've got to expand our agreement. Now, I'm not only speaking to the corporate unity, which is necessary for a people to do great things for God. I'm actually talking about the kind of agreement that, that comes from fully agreeing with what God says for you to do. Listen to these words uh, from verse 2. This is how verse 2 finishes. It says this. Do not spare. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Now, in the context, he gives it to a barren city that's not producing. He says, I'm giving you the word. You're coming out of barrenness. Now you need to expand your environment. The atmosphere is not conducive to the expansion God called them to. Our expansion at Calvary Church is not, has nothing to do with the economic environment. Oh, listen to me, church. Listen. Your own agreement with what God calls you to has nothing to do with who's sitting in the White House. I'm so thankful to be a citizen of the greatest country on the planet. But I'm here to tell you I have a dual citizenship. A higher citizenship. I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. And I choose to believe that if God says do not spare, I'll have more than enough. God will supply. It won't matter. It won't matter. Some of you be like, oh, no, pastor, you don't know. Don't you remember the tomato famine? We, it was so hard, we couldn't even get tomatoes on our subs. You can participate in the famine if you want to. Or you can come into agreement with what God said. Listen, the greatest famine that's happening in the church isn't external, it's internal. There's a famine in our thinking where we have not come into agreement with what God has said about us. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, God is raising up a church that says, well, no, the famine of my thinking be going against what God has declared is over. When God says, do not spare your inner Dave Ramsey ought to get a little nervous. You know, I know we've all got a plan. And by the way, this is not permission to go out on some kind of spending spree on your credit card. No, that is a demonic spirit named dumb. 
Some of you welcome that dumb spirit. No. Listen. Agreement with God's will in faith is necessary for the invisible to become the visible. You're going to have to agree with what God has said in order for God to take you from being a person of vision to a person of manifestation. You have to agree. You've got to allow yourself to go from barren to blessed. Barren to blessed. I'm not barren. He told me to sing. Nobody wants, nobody wants your whiny Jesus. Oh, oh, woe is me. We just got to suffer a little longer till we breathe our last. And then we'll have a mansion just over the hilltop. I got really bad news for you. You ain't getting a mansion. I had to bust up your theology, that room, that word, and in, in, it doesn't mean mansion. It actually means there's a room in the Father's house. He builds it on. You're getting a room. It's going to be nice. The problem is, is when you guys see your mansion, it's gated. You keep your neighbors out. I got a mansion and a hillside, and nobody bothers me. And that wrong. We kind of live all in the same house. Come back to the message. If you're barren, and God says you're blessed, and says you do do not spare, He said, "I've got to change you from barren thinking to blessed thinking." I've got to change you from barren thinking to blessed thinking. When you are blessed, you change the way that you think. And I've got some news for you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. I'm, I'm gonna, uh, we're going to take war on this thing. Aggressively stepping forward, listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How many spiritual blessings have you been blessed with? Every. Every spiritual blessing belongs to the believer. If God gave you every spiritual blessing, what in the world are we doing with a barren mentality? Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. You guys just think immediately money. No, the barren mentality shows up like this. Oh, I'll share the gospel, but nobody's going to respond. Nobody's coming to Jesus. Nobody these days is turning. Barren. Why don't you just say, God, you bless me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Lord, when I open my mouth, the Spirit of God is likely to move. Listen, they don't even need to be a believer. But if they're sick, I can lay hands on the believers and I, uh, unbelievers, and I can see unbelievers get healed, and they begin to ask, Oh, how did I become whole? How was I touched? How, how, how? And you just say, Well, 
I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. God's breaking my life out of barrenness, and he's breaking yours out too. He's bringing you out of your brokenness into the blessing of knowing Jesus. If you'll admit and you'll believe and you'll confess him as Lord, you'll know him the way I do. Be blessed with every blessing, and then you'll, he'll begin to use you that same way. you got to break out of the barren thinking. It's barren thinking. If we are blessed with every spiritual blessing, we need to change the way that we think. And does it include blessing financially? You better believe it does. 2 Corinthians says, 9, verse 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. I know. You're like, that sounds like prosperity, Pastor. Lack is barren thinking. Believing that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory when, listen, when I have chosen to have a kingdom mindset, I have chosen to make money, money my slave and not my master. When I, when I say, Lord, I am going to allow you to bless me so I can be a blessing to others. How are you going to have an abundance to give if you don't have an abundance? I'm helping you today. You just don't know it. All right. Let me finish with this. We only have a couple of minutes. Cords and stakes, they are connected in this verse to binding to a sure foundation. Cords and stakes... And this time, we're all about binding this house to a sure foundation. And he says, strengthen, lengthen the cords, strengthen the stakes. This is saying, God, we are more committed to two things, intimacy with you and obedience to your word. That's what cords and stakes are about. Because they are the very thing that keeps the house standing, that has expanded. It is, it is being rooted and grounded, attached to the sure foundation. Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 7. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. Listen, here's what we're going to do as a church and I pray you do it personally. We're going to drive our faith deeper into intimacy with Jesus. We're going to say in the days ahead, I'm not slipping away. I'm going deeper with Jesus. I'm going to worship him more than I ever have. I'm going to devour the word. I'm going to believe what he said about me. I'm going to live under his counsel and I'm going to obey his word. And oh, the winds will come, but they'll be ineffective. The floods will come, but I won't be washed away. Why? Because I lengthened the cords. I strengthened the stakes. I put them into the sure foundation of Jesus himself and his instruction and what he has declared over us. And here's what the scripture says. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
Why? Because our cords are long and our stakes are deep into the person of Jesus, living in intimacy with him and obedience to his word. And God says, that's the people. That's the people who can handle expansion.